Welcome to Have You Seen? And yes, my merry little elves, that was an ellipsis. I'm your host, Lee Henry, and with me once again is the beautiful, talented, wonderful Alyssa Russell. Hello, you flatter me. Always, always, always. Um, Alyssa, as you may or may not remember, was my very first guest, and uh, we're here to uh, ring in the holiday season with a discussion about one Oscar potential Oscar player of a movie in uh, Sofia Coppola's new film On the Rocks, and then a uh, maybe Golden Globe nominee, but generally pretty fun uh, holiday film in Happiest Season. Um, So yeah, let's uh, take it away and start with, uh, Alyssa, why don't you tell us a little bit about what On the Rocks is about? Well, if, if anything, because it's a Sofia Coppola <laughs> movie, and that means plot is definitely on the back burner. A very valid point. Um, on the Rocks follows Rashida Jones, who is a young mother in New York, and uh, she is married to Marlon Wayans, right? And they have two young children, and she's just kind of becoming disillusioned with the marriage and being a mother. Uh, she's a writer who... Is, you know, she's got writer's block, whatever. Um, her father is Bill Murray, and he's kind of this, like, playboy, prolific, probably inspired by her own father and her own childhood, I would imagine, um, type of character. And uh, she becomes convinced that her husband is having an affair with one of his coworkers, and then it becomes this kind of fun little like buddy spy drama thing where they try to like follow the husband and see what's going on with all of that um so yeah interesting interesting movie what did what did you think overall I was a fan um I'm pretty much 50 50 when it comes to Sofia Coppola I think that as I made a joke about earlier like the whole plot being the back burner thing can really get to me because they can be like oh my gosh just waiting for something to happen. But I really loved what it brought out in Rashida Jones. Um, I thought she did a remarkable job. And I thought it was really, it it almost felt like this is so pretentious, but this is my podcast, so I don't care. Um, It was a bit an Italian neorealist in that there would be long scenes of like Rashida Jones looking beautiful in the sunlight and sighing while making breakfast for her children. And like, you know, I didn't know that Rashida Jones was the kind of actor who could do that and make it interesting. And for me, she really did like sell this whole idea of, I don't know, the most significant thing to me about the movie that I think it did a good job of reminding you of every few scenes and keeping it present is the idea that this is the year that she's turning 40. And that's Mm -hmm. such a stereotyped thing of like, oh, what does 40 mean for men, for women, for married people, for single people, all of that stuff. But I really liked that for her in this movie, it was this background thing that we are constantly reminded of, of like, I don't know where this is going. I don't know if I've done everything correctly. Um, and I don't know if, if I'm missing something. I don't mm-hmm. know. I liked it. Um, what about you? Well, I definitely think that the whole disillusioned um, young mother thing certainly is like very appealing to a lot of people, but, you know, young women in particular of like, oh, will it ruin my life if I have children? Will I lose myself, et cetera? I think that is a really strong theme that she was working with and that I really enjoyed, Um, as well as like the deeper 
father-daughter relationship stuff that comes to the surface I think all of that is really great I think that just for me the actual like execution of how how that all comes about um I found it kind of heavy-handed and kind of like rom-commy I actually didn't think Rashida was that great in it I thought it it might as well have been just like some serious Parks and Rec episode (laughs) uh and I also felt like while Bill Murray certainly had really great moments in it, um, I wasn't super impressed with any of the acting in it, except for Marlon Wayans. I thought he was good, but he's not in it very much. Yeah. Uh, but I I wondered if that was the writing for me or if that was the performances, but um, I don't know. I, I was a little disappointed, I have to say. Yeah, I, I think that that's all totally valid. And I as time has gone by since I watched it, which granted was only a couple nights ago, but still that's that's some time. Um, mm-hmm. I've been a little less enchanted with the Bill Murray performance, not because it's bad, it's actually really good, but it, it isn't very deep. I mean, he is mm-hmm. there to be a foil to her. And I think what you said about it becomes this father-daughter thing is really true, not just in terms of the screen time, but like what we come to find out, and I don't think this is a spoiler if you've ever, I don't know, like taken an English class or whatever, is like this movie is really just about her working out her issues with her father and how she was raised and what she mm-hmm. was raised to see and believe and mirror. Um, and I really loved the dialogue that she essentially is having with her father's relationship to her mother, who is seen but briefly and mm-hmm. um, isn't given anything to do really, but uh, it's her absence is interesting, I think, because I was expecting this to be like, the kind of oh it's the distant father who comes back and tries to win his daughter back but they clearly have an established very specific relationship mm-hmm. and it's just that it's a little bit heavier because this the setting of this movie is around her birthday and um i think that even though he is this kind of raconteur playboy guy it's really interesting that he sees a vulnerability in her around this time that he clearly as a father feels a need to help her with Because I don't think that, I mean, I do think that he is pushing this this theory that her husband is cheating on her as an excuse to spend more time with her. And I think that Rashida Jones's character is susceptible to it because of the model, again, that her father showed her. But I also think that there's a real genuine love and sweetness that Bill Murray carries across very well in their scenes together. Like there's a really adorable, scene in the middle of a stakeout where they they kind of whiff the stakeout and they end up at this jazz bar Mm -hmm. and they just have a great conversation and I love this movie is full of Rashida Jones and Bill Murray really beautifully shot and having great conversations and then also we should say Bill Murray is playing an art dealer and (laughs) as that that just is such catnip to me like we're a we are not, and I repeat this, do not tweet, seriously. We are not going to litigate the whole art versus artist thing of someone like Woody Allen, but Alyssa and I are both fans of Woody Allen's 1970s movies, and this feels a lot like that to me in that it is two really intelligent characters like that will just randomly start having an esoteric conversation about Hockney or about, uh, he, he just casually mentions like, oh, I'm trying to buy this Hockney or, oh, I remember when my first big sale, it was a uh, William de Kooning. And like, I'm just mm-hmm. like, I was geeking out over that. And my brother was, was sitting a 
couple of feet away from me and was like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I, don't worry about it. But this is so for me. Uh, yeah. Which so I think that's yeah. a super normal reaction too, because I agree. It did feel very like Woody Allen slash Nancy Myers rom-com type situation for sure. And one of my takeaways was kind of like, I can't really relate to these people and the discussions that they're having, which is always true in Woody Allen. You know, no one talks like this. This dialogue yep. is kind of elevated and just the things that they're doing and talking about and having your private car pick you up everywhere and et cetera is just not really what the average person can relate to. And I think that she does redeem that from you know, with that really fundamental plot line that we were talking about of the sort of like age crisis coupled with uh, reckoning her relationship with her father, so. Yeah, um, you mentioned Nancy Myers, and we we talked about Nancy Myers in relation to this movie a little bit earlier before we were recording. And I want to know what you think about the visual aesthetic of this movie. Yeah, I thought it was beautiful. So that's, you know, when for me, Sofia Coppola and for everybody, that's kind of what you think of. And like mm -hmm. you mentioned, the gorgeous shots of Rashida, just like pondering her existence on a beautifully lit <laughs> bed in Mexico, right? <laughs> um, yep. And then like the color palette that's being used, it's kind of muted and whatever, but then there'll be these little moments of brightness. Um, I thought it was aesthetically pretty flawless and I think spurred them to be talking about art in the way that they are it would kind of have to be yeah yeah I agree with that and I just there was one weird thing the cinematography did and I wonder if it hit you the same way where the way there's a lot of shots of cars moving through New York City in this movie because a lot of scenes are just uh the two of them sitting in a car that is being driven for them through the through the city and they almost made it look like they were seconds away from a car accident mm -hmm. and it really made me nervous I don't know Ugh. but um Despite that, that was my only qualm because otherwise it's the most beautifully shot movie I've seen this year. Granted, I haven't seen many new movies this year, which is unfortunate. Um, really just, uh, I hate Super 2020. Us, yeah, I yeah. Um, but uh, I just loved how beautiful and everything is kind of like, it's all these hanging moments. Like I always think of the... Uh, super pretentious alert again um the dust hanging in the air uh in in a light beam kind of thing and there's a lot of moments like that of just like characters caught in moments and there's this gorgeous scene of Rashida Jones silhouetted against uh the sky in Mexico and she's wearing this yellow dress and it just looks stunning yeah I mean I I just had a really fun time in this world but it's one of those things where I could see it not clicking for everyone like most of Coppola's movies and on that note how does this kind of stack up? Because uh, we're we both have engaged with the majority of her uh, her works, and I want to see how that how this movie stacks up against some of her other stuff for you. Yeah, well, so I actually I think I've only seen Lost in Translation, unfortunately. Um, I thought you'd seen Marie Antoinette. I have not. Oh, okay. I've been on my list, but I also have some problems with Kirsten Dunst. So yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. You know, I do think that aesthetically it compares very nicely with Lost in Translation, which is, of course, beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then thematically as well, you know, there's all of this father, daughter, you know, older man, younger woman kind of stuff. And yeah. 
for having these conversations kind of about sex and about relationships with her dad that I don't know how realistic that would be for me as a woman, but, you know, so like she kind of plays with that a lot in her work, I think. Um, and obviously Bill Murray playing kind of the same type of role, but it, but it is different. He's a much warmer character. There are differences in the way that he portrays it. So it, it feels like Coppola, but it also to me feels like I think I was let down because Coppola means so much to me. Like I hold that in such high regard. And I think that if you had told me like, there's this new rom-com and it's great or this, you know, like that would have probably, I would have been like, oh, I really liked it. But then because I put it on this pedestal because of the name attached to it, yeah. all of the names attached to it really, um, then I was a little bit let down, but that might just be sort of a hype situation where I, expected a lot yeah i i think that's all beyond fair um and i definitely was getting lost in translation vibes maybe just because it had bill murray i don't know but um from the trailer i mean and it didn't okay so it doesn't stack up to um to lost in translation because i'm not insane i recognize that Nothing. and lost in translation Good. is just a masterpiece like uh psa to all listeners if you haven't seen lost in translation and you don't mind a very, it is a very mellow movie. Um, but, oh my gosh, what a masterpiece. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I think that it also really reminded me of The Beguiled, which was her last film uh, in 2017. Uh, it was a Civil War period piece erotic thriller. And it's shot by the same guy, Philippe Lesseur, and like, uh, on the Rocks and The Beguiled shared a lot of, again, those hanging moments and hanging in the air moments that sounded very dark. Um, and I just, I love, one of the things that's so challenging about Coppola is uh, how much stuff just kind of sits there. And she really leans into this idea of something doesn't have to happen every second. And I think that there are times when that succeeds for me and times that it doesn't. And this movie is all about like, because we've already talked about, it's not about the chase of the husband. It's about the airing of these grievances between father and daughter. And it takes advantage of these two very different things, which is a kind of an on its face an action filled um, plot of, oh, we're gonna track this guy down and find out if he's having an affair. And, oh, we're going to resolve all these issues, which would normally be like a boring meh, meh, meh thing. And, mm -hmm. and it synthesizes them into these great moments of just sitting in a car in New York City eating caviar or sitting in a New York jazz club drinking a bit too much and being too honest with your family member. Um, I don't know. Well, I, I, agree that, I, I think that those, those hanging moments that you mentioned, that's where she really excels. I agree that those you know, stakeout parked in front of whatever restaurant or whatever, those moments are, are really special. And like, I love like a living room drama. Like, I think I might've just rather watched them hash it out for two hours. I'm not yeah, sure. Just an Edward Albee play version of this. <laughs> Basically. Um, but on the other hand, you know, you did say that she tries to juxtapose that with all this movement and, and all the New York city action that's going on and whatever. Um, and it feels nostalgic in that way of like, 
being 2020 being like, wow, everyone just driving around New York City. How fun would that be? Um, yeah, that's I'm really glad you brought that up because this is one of the most striking. I mean, I've watched plenty of old movies during quarantine, but watching a new release for the first time that feels so contemporary and there are there's plenty of distance between them and other people, especially in terms of class. Um, there's a weird recurring thing with a uh, wonderful comedic actress, Jenny Slate, where she's kind of this, this trashy scattered fellow mom. So who, good. Yeah. She's so good in this. Uh, but it felt very odd to be seeing what we were seeing and there not be masks on maybe because there's just enough distance to feel like they were being socially distant. I don't know. I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, it's just a, a, to keep bringing it back to Woody Allen, but you know, Woody Allen like has his love affair with New York. And I think that yeah. you definitely get that from this movie, whereas Lost in Translation is Tokyo. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really does just make you kind of pine for like, what if I could just have one too many drinks in a jazz club in New York right now, you know? With with Bill Murray and talk about David Hockney. Absolutely. What a dream. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting, too, to talk about location because Tokyo for uh, Lost in Translation is this massive, unknowable, but beguiling presence oh gosh mm-hmm. i can't believe i just said that uh because beguiling. but yeah anyway um and then new york in this movie is very homey it's very like it is it's there are very high class scenes like we go to bill murray's lunch club which he's part of a supper club unbelievable um in 2020 <laughs> and then um we go to like these always yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's true it's not like i'm casually doing it most of the time <laughs> caviar um, okay yeah but not beluga he has a great little speech about beluga that i that was completely indecipherable to me but i just ate it up like one would i would imagine some caviar <laughs> i've never had it um but uh new york in this movie is very knowable it sticks to a couple of neighborhoods it's very much uh lower to mid manhattan and it shows you know these not polished but very normal looking streets that she walks with her kids when she walks them to school um Mm -hmm. it shows you know a ballet class in a in a normal studio it shows a kids music class in a normal looking apartment their apartment is beautiful of course but it's not sprawling and opulent and it doesn't overlook central park and all this crazy extra stuff Mm -hmm. and so i found that a really interesting juxtaposition with lost in translation too where you went from the unknowable and the massive to the very, very intimate in the, you know, the classic city that is New York. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And uh, with this one, we do get to go to Mexico for a hot minute. And I do think there's a difference in the colors that are being used. Mexico feels really bright and Mm -hmm. New York feels a little more dim as a color palette I think but you're right that it does feel like comforting and homey and uh, there is that real sense of security that Rashida's character I think has there and it's very clear that she grew up there there's no real question about that yeah and I I like that um what you mentioned about the colors because Mexico is full of these purples and reds and yellows and um New York very much is not I mean it's not illuminated boringly but it is very sterile you know there's a lot of browns and grays and Mm -hmm. um 
And then there's this great moment where Bill Murray shows up for the stakeout in the most uh, obvious car you can imagine. It's like a red <laughs> sports car. And um, very loud. <laughs> yeah, very loud, very, very poorly running. And it just it just gives this great pop to to the movie. And it's 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 kind of like a great little uh, stand in for this idea of the movement versus the still, um, because that does, of course, literally propel the plot forward. Sure. Yeah. And that was, I think, one of the moments where I was caught off guard, which maybe that could be perceived as a good thing uh, for me. Again, I just wanted this like quiet, slowly unfolding Coppola drama yeah. uh, whenever he rolls up in that car and it becomes kind of this funny moment. That was fine and I liked it, but I was just kind of like, what is this movie? You know? Sure. Yeah, it, it definitely defies categorization, especially because, uh, and we won't spoil it here, but um, the question of, is he cheating on me? Is he not? Is revealed it's answered in a very understated very quick way mm -hmm. and that's what's such a I don't know to me it was such a great moment of like oh wow that's really not what I've been watching here and that's not what this movie's about yeah that's absolutely true and you know you don't I actually before we had this conversation I had to remind myself it's been a couple of weeks since I watched it now mm -hmm. um and I had to like look back and say wait what how did that part end up and yeah. Uh, again, that's just not really what it's about. And I do think that that, like there were some really clever overarching things that she's doing here for sure. Like it's not a bad movie. I just think that some of the actual like dialogue character exchange moments I felt were a bit disingenuous for me, but maybe yeah. it's just because I'm not super loaded. I don't know. <laughs> hey, and uh, <laughs> and if it didn't land, it didn't land, but we can both agree that the second movie we're going to talk about, while probably, not probably, while an inferior movie in terms of craft to On the Rocks definitely landed for both of us, and that was uh, Clea Duvall's Happiest Season. Uh, of, what yeah. a gem, no question. <laughs> it really was, it just was so nice to get a new Christmas movie and it actually feel new and feel interesting and feel fun. Um, and with such representation, yeah. like we yeah. were, there was no big like to do. I mean, obviously the characters being queer is a major plot point, but it's not like we're asked to accept that from like second one. And I love that, you know? And yeah, I, I, I loved it too. Um, and it was unapologetically about not, I mean, there is coming out in this movie and there is, uh, gay angst in this movie but what it's about was about a queer relationship and that is just one dynamic of the relationship rather than you know it being like a Brokeback Mountain or a Carol where they can't be together or a Love Simon where it's all about the coming out and about the anxiety around that um, and what it's about is just uh, this the main character trying to navigate her relationship with someone who happens to be of the same gender as her mm -hmm. But let's back up a little and I will introduce just the movie and the plot of this movie. So Happiest Season has Kristen Stewart uh, as this uh, really gorgeously dressed lesbian um, uh, named Abby, who is, uh, she's been dating this woman for about six months, played by Mackenzie Davis. And uh, Mackenzie Davis invites her to go home for Christmas and visit her family. And on the way to the house, 
tells her, oh, by the way, I lied to you a little bit. Um, I haven't come out to my family and they don't know about you. So I told them that you're my orphan roommate, which <laughs> is just a really, a it is played joke. so well. <laughs> they use that joke the exact number of times that it would work. And then they're still able to mine a bit of heart out of it about the fact that she is actually an orphan, we should say. Um, mm -hmm. And the family is really messed up. You know, there's uh, one sister who's super like hyper-functioning and another sister who's very much ignored and um, uh, Abby's girlfriend who's kind of in the middle. And uh, yeah, it's it's just, just really fun. Um, Dan Levy is in it as the uh, main character's best friend. Mary Steenburgen and Victor Garber play the parents and uh, they are great. Visions both. Yeah, visions both indeed. Let's <laughs> let's actually take that because I want to make sure I talk about this before I forget. Mary Steenburgen's wig. Wow. What a wig. What a Incredible. moment. Yeah. Honestly, no notes. I think she was perfect. I think she was a real like way to make a supporting role so memorable. That's like one of my takeaways from this movie is that the mom was so, of course she's like terrible as a character, but she's also just so funny, just like very, like Christine Baranski may as well have been playing that part. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it feels very kind of Lucille Bluth. Uh, this was also sort of a family that I felt like I just couldn't relate to this like rich family Christmas that they were having. Um, but also every time I see Victor Garber, I just get so excited. He's everyone's dad. He's wonderful. Yeah. Love Victor Garber. <laughs> Yeah, I'm curious. Did you grow up watching Alias? I did not, no. Okay, because that's what uh, I knew him from growing up, and he was just such a fantastic character actor, recurring character in that. Um, so I always think that, and then I think uh, the perfect playing a dad guy. He's had gray hair since he was 30, like, mm -hmm. like well, our friend Steve Martin. Yeah, like our friend Steve Martin. Uh, he was Daddy Warbucks, right, in the Annie movie, like one of the Annie movies, and he obviously legally blonde where he's kind of skeezy which he was yep. great at that too yeah he's great in that movie but man just can't get enough victor garber and i when i was watching it i said to my friends like this has to be one of the top working actors that is out there like he's just in everything and i love it yep. yeah i mean he was in titanic oh, he was in yes. uh, another best picture winner argo he yes. was, he's in uh, The Flash, the DC TV show. Like he's mm -hmm. been in so much stuff and he's just a, like you said, he's a hard, hard worker. And a very likable um, guy, even yeah. in this role that is kind of, you know, he's not the best in this movie, but like his performance is great, but the character is kind of contentious, but um, he's still, you know, you really always side with Victor's struggle. <laughs> yeah. And interestingly enough, uh, one of the several characters in this movie played by an openly gay actor. Right, right. Yeah. Which I, I really love their their commitment to that. Um, and that leads us to the lead of this movie, the divisive but always interesting Kristen Stewart. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the things we mentioned before we started recording is that uh, Kristen Stewart is one of those people who evokes a lot of feeling in a lot of people. Um, I think just because of Twilight, like, let's be real, it's because sure. of Twilight. Um, and I'm curious as to, because everyone who's talked to me about having seen this movie has immediately led with their feelings on Kristen Stewart before, during, and after this movie. And I want to know what your feelings on Kristen Stewart are. 
Sure. Um, so first of all, two very brief pieces of information that are, inform my feelings on case two. Um, one is that uh, a friend of mine used to be a working child actor and Kristen Stewart happened to have been his first girlfriend. <gasps> uh huh. What a scoop for this podcast. I did not what know this audience. I did not know. On that. Nope. <laughs> Um, so that's interesting. He said that she was great. He, that she was a very lovely first girlfriend to have had. They were like 13 at the time. Um, and then another thing, another interesting tidbit is that, uh, one of the people from Twilight, one of the Cullens, um, is from my hometown and like did the same community theater stuff that I did growing up. So I've actually like hung out with Jackson Rathbone before who plays, uh, I can't remember the character's name because I don't like Twilight. But anyway, <laughs> he was like blowing up and he was like in a couple of TV shows at the time and all the girls were swooning. So that's my like very brief background on Twilight and that. Um, that being said, because I knew this kid, I was always like, okay, well, I'll watch Twilight. Not a fan, really hate it. I think it's terrible, whatever. I thought that I always hated Kristen Stewart. I thought she was terrible um, because she just like tried to be this awkward, understated, whatever character, but I thought it came across as really heavy handed and, um, and has, I've never been a fan. And then of course, in recent years, although I've never seen any of her newer stuff, I keep, you know, it's impossible to ignore that she's getting all of this critical acclaim now mm-hmm. um, and that she is considered to be a good actor. So I was curious with this movie, oh my God, I'm like so into her, it turns out. I really loved her in this movie and I felt like, uh, I don't know, I felt like the tension and the passion and the relationship that is the focus of this movie. And I don't know, she just really changed my mind. I was impressed. Yeah, I was really impressed too. I I loved everything that she put down in this movie. Um, I thought she did a great job. I had too have been very confused by the like it was a weird pivot right where everyone especially critics wanted to dunk 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 on Twilight and I should say mm-hmm. I've never seen Twilight that's fine you don't need to yeah, yeah I, I feel I feel fine about it I read the first book it was meh terrible <laughs> I, I couldn't get through it <laughs> yeah um but uh she she's had a couple of just like incredibly well-received movies uh cloud of seals maria and personal shopper are the two that come to mind That's in terms of just uh, I yeah. About, yeah uh i personal shopper uh, uh no i haven't i need to i've seen snow white and the huntsman thought that was fine um i didn't like it but i didn't hate it uh, <laughs> That's okay yeah you know, fun fact, Charlize Theron uh, broke a rib from yelling too hard in that movie. One of my uh, favorite <laughs> Charlize Theron fun facts. I have many. That's a real actor. Yep, that's commitment right there. <laughs> uh, and apparently her movie last year where she played Gene Seberg was also excellent. Uh, so I'd like to watch that at some point. Because like you, I really came out of this like, man, I need to do some catching up on Case 2. Because uh, mm-hmm. I've really liked her vibe for a few years. Like there were... Uh, there's this very bizarre, this is a bit of a tangent, but I think you'll love this if you don't know it already. So do you know about the history of Donald Trump and Kristen Stewart? No. Okay, so there was a very publicized thing where uh, Kristen Stewart, quote unquote, cheated on Robert Pattinson with the director of one of the Twilight movies when they were dating. Um, mm-hmm. 
And uh, that's a whole thing about predatory men in power positions that like, I think you and I are in the same boat on in terms of believing like there's a power dynamic and that calls a lot of things into question, but blah, blah, blah. Yeah, uh, there's only one boat, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, there's uh, the correct boat and there's the ocean. Um, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Donald Trump tweeted a bunch of stuff about like when this happened back in 2010 or whatever, uh, Pattinson needs to move on. Kristen Stewart cheated on him like a dog, blah, blah, blah. Like he literally said, cheated on him like a dog and that is the president of the United States. Um, and when that's horrifying. This? this was when it happened and I think it was in 2010. Wow. Let me look up when the last... No, it would have. It was later, uh, 2012, when Twilight Saga: Breaking Dawn came out. Jeez, yeah. anything to stay relevant for that guy? We're not talking about him. Right yeah. Now. Anyway, anyway, that's it. I just, I, I love that little <laughs> factoid because the reason I tell you that story is to tell you this story. Um, when she hosted SNL a few years ago, she was like, uh, "Well, I have great news for you, President Trump. I'm really gay now." And I just loved that so much, like, because Kristen Stewart has come out as queer, she's dating a woman. Um, and yeah, I just, I love her unapologetic attitude towards her own queerness, as well mm -hmm. as just how her style has evolved, her performing has clearly evolved. Mm -hmm. Because like, if you read the script of Twilight, you have to be an idiot to expect that someone's gonna be really good in this movie. Like, oh, come I on. agree. The yeah. book is horribly written. I'm sure that the screenplay was as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she wrote them. Um, sure. yeah, yeah, so like, give her a break, guys. Watch Happiest Season and see how great Kristen Stewart is. No, she's really, I mean, there are some moments where even, I, I don't think that movie's necessarily like a stellar piece of writing either. No, but she, she brought <laughs> it. She handles it incredibly well, yeah. Um. I want to talk about another standout in this movie. Kristen Stewart is obviously the lead. She has the most to do. She sells the comedy and really the emotional stuff. And there's a lot of emotional stuff in this movie, yeah, like any good Christmas movie. Yeah. Um, she does it really, really well. But uh, the other major, major standout for me was Aubrey Plaza. Oh my gosh. She was so good and she was so hot. Yeah, she looks great, and she just did an incredible job. She played a very non-Aubrey Plaza character, mm -hmm. and um, let's we should say she plays the ex-girlfriend of the super-closeted uh, love interest of the movie, mm -hmm. and she and Kristen Stewart's character really bond because, you know, they've dealt with and are dealing with the same person doing the same thing, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, I, I just loved her work in this movie. I thought she was really good in the emotional scenes that she had and really funny, but again, doing something we'd never seen from her. I agree. I think that both Aubrey and Kristen have sort of this, in my mind, had a reputation for this like really understated, like low-key style of acting that uh, for Kristen, I thought like was detrimental to most people's opinions of her. Uh, for Aubrey, obviously we love her from Parks and Rec and she's great, but to see them like use that understated acting style to their extreme advantage in this movie to where it feels just so real, like these little moments and interactions that they're having. I mean, I really didn't walk in expecting to be impressed by the acting in this movie. I was just trying to have a good time. Yeah. And I was so pleasantly surprised with both of them. Yeah, I uh, I feel the exact same way. Um, 
they really walked away with it. And I mean, Mackenzie Davis is fine. She's playing a really unlikable character doing really unlikable things. And I still yes. couldn't bring myself to hate her just because of uh, what she's going through in the movie is very, it is anchored very realistically and very understandably, but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has some good moments as a character yeah, she does. and as an actor. Yeah. But uh, I do, I don't know. I just, the, the very beginning setup of the movie um when it comes out like, oh, I've kind of fibbed and like you're coming to this Christmas as my roommate and all of that, which, you know, is part of the plot and that's really terrible and can't imagine how that would feel. Um, That character is incredibly unlikable and I just don't, part of it is like, how would you be able to deal with a partner treating you that way in this situation? And some of that was just like really hard to overcome. So while I thought the the, the actor did a good job, uh, yeah, she's just very hard. It's a lot to get over. Yeah, there's a, a very positive trending movement on the internet that wants, uh, that wishes that Abby had ended up with uh, Aubrey Plaza's character. And I'm completely yes. on board with that. I didn't I think... know if I was allowed to say that, but I feel yeah. extremely that way. <laughs> like... yeah. yeah, I was kind of hoping that it would happen. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's it's a really fun holiday movie made more so by the very welcome, hopefully much more common in the future presence of Dan Levy from yes. Schitt's Creek, who play again plays uh, Abby's best friend. And it's like, man, he is funny. There's this recurring thing in the background where he's accidentally killed this fish. <laughs> and it's like he's calling her from a fish store and from a apartment where he's scooping it out and all the stuff it's he's he's great in it I know you're a big Dan Levy fan what did you uh what did you think of him well of course who isn't uh yeah Idiots. Love That's the, who. Such, a, such a welcome presence in any media that I consume um <laughs> he looks great he is great he's a real grounding force for Kristen Stewart in the movie and also like you do get these kind of surprising heavy moments with this story where you think you're going in for a lighthearted holiday rom-com situation and you get that but there's a lot of gravity toward like to to everything that's happening and so then they break that up really nicely with cutting to scenes with Dan Levy um I he pretty much is the same like he seems like Dan Levy or like Shit's Creek, you know, um, but I have no complaints about that. He's one of those actors that, in my permission, I'm like, you just be you, and we will be happy to see you. Yeah, he's kind of becoming the the gay male Diane Keaton for me. Of like, <laughs> just do your shtick, and I'm here for it. I will be there with popcorn and bells on. Yeah, I will show up every time. So, yeah. um, I yeah, I really enjoyed him too, and I just thought like. He, he has, again, like every character in this movie has one really emotional scene, unless you're Kristen Stewart, and then you have several. And mm-hmm. he knocked it out of the park. Like, he's he's done dramatic very well on Schitt's Creek, but he he only had one chance to, to bring any kind of emotional depth or seriousness to his character. Um, and mm-hmm. he really nailed it. And I, uh, yeah, I also want to call out Alison Brie, who's one of my favorite actors. She's um, so good. Yeah, she's great in this movie. And she, we mentioned the writing isn't the best. It really isn't. It's not bad. It's a good story. It's just not the strongest script. But like yeah. every single actor in this movie, I think, goes above and beyond what they're asked to do. 
Yeah. Um, get it. Yeah, Alison Bree's kind of the perfect microcosm of that because she's playing, again, a really unlikable, very one-note character. And she gets one scene to kind of explain why that character has done everything she has done in the movie and Mm -hmm. just knocks it out of the park. She's so good. Well, and I think she knocks it out of the park leading up to that because we could say that her character type is like, oh, she's just kind of like a stuck-up, snooty, type A sister, like overachiever. And I mean, even, even just that, like she knocks out of the park from the first minute you meet her, just her standing there, like she has such presence. And I'm just, again, like so impressed with her and she's good in literally everything we've seen her in, you know, yeah, um, it's probably common knowledge, but like, I heard that they like wrote a bigger character for her in Mad Men because she was so good. Yep. And and we also know she has comedic chops from community. And then I don't know if you watched Horse Girl, but she was really good in that. I did not watch Horse Girl. Yeah, I think it was the straight to Netflix thing. And it's about this girl kind of dealing with some mental health issues and she's phenomenal. Like Oh man, I'm gonna I'm looking at it right now and I'm absolutely gonna watch Mm -hmm. this because I'm a huge fan of hers. She's great. So yeah, I mean, the cast, every time someone new came out, my friends and I were just like screaming like, oh my God, Alison Breeze in this, Victor Garber's <laughs> yeah. in this. Like, what a cavalcade of stars. Yeah, it's kind of a multi-generational, mm-hmm. OMG, it's that guy movie mm-hmm. for, for because my parents didn't know who Alison Brie was, but my brother and I were like jumping up and down, like as huge community fans, we were so excited to see Annie and anything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Man, I uh, I think we agree that we can't recommend this movie enough. It's streaming on Hulu, and we should say On the Rocks is streaming on uh, Apple TV+. Plus. They are both worth watching. Happiest Season is worth sharing with your family. Um, on the Rocks is maybe a little bit better, you know, having your drink of choice and just kind of, if you're in a contemplative mood in front of a fireplace when you're off uh, on a holiday later this month. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think if we missed anything. Um, man, like, this could be a real moment for Kristen Stewart, I think. Because this movie, we should say, has been a huge cultural and uh, streaming numbers hit. Mm-hmm. And it's like, they're already talking about a sequel. Um, oh, good. I didn't know that. I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, and just, just how great it feels to watch a movie about a queer story starring a queer actor written and directed by a queer woman um it's just it just is great and for it to be received this warmly is kind of like uh proof that this thing is a thing and it matters and it can help absolutely Um, and this can be a future holiday classic you know and we don't i don't think that we have those that are centered around queer characters and so it's really exciting that as we said before, like from minute one, like you're accepting that this is the reality and there's not this big to do about it. And it is normal and that's wonderful. And so great to see that representation. Yeah, we, uh, and we mentioned the aesthetics of On the Rocks. Boy, there are some great outfits in this movie. Kristen Stewart oh in particular, God. like that blazer she, she wore to the Christmas party. Well, um, there are so many blazers. I yeah, think that's true. That we could do a whole episode on just the blazers in this movie because <laughs> everybody looks great. Um, yeah, she looks fantastic. I think Harper, even though she's, 
kind of a bitch. The like, worst. <laughs> she looks great. Like they're going to all these like classy holiday parties and everybody is dressed to the nines with their Christmas best. And it's it's a visual feast in that way, you know? Absolutely. Uh, uh, what are, I'm curious because we're talking about this next week, but what is your favorite Christmas movie? Well, I mean, okay. Okay, so it's a wonderful life. Uh, not that it's necessarily my favorite, but it is like one of the family traditions that we hold, and it's probably you know I've probably seen that movie more than anything besides Titanic, which also stars Victor Garber. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I would say it's a wonderful life comes to mind. I like a, a Christmas story. You know, it's always on TBS. So yep. 24 hours straight on Christmas right. Day. Yeah. I'll turn it on and watch it one and a half times. Um, yep. Yeah. Is there something I'm missing? What do you think? What are yours? Um, we're going to, I'm going to talk about them more in depth with my uh, surprise guest next week, who is my brother, Taylor. But uh, let's see. Home Alone is one. Oh, of course. Like, right. oh gosh, I just love Home Alone. Um, and this is a little dubious about if it's a Christmas movie or not, but for me, it's a post-Christmas movie, which is Bridget Jones's Diary, because it starts on a Christmas day and it ends on a Christmas day. Um, it's a Christmas-adjacent film, and we love yeah, that. And I, I love that movie so much. It's one of my all-time faves. Uh, oh, Christmas Vacation with Chevy Chase is so oh, good. Sure. That's yeah. great. I'm never mad at that. Yeah. Um, I've actually only seen It's a Wonderful Life, like, halfway through one time yeah that's okay <laughs> <laughs> i think it's great there are some really powerful moments but you know it it feels long and i, yeah. I can't remember how long it actually is but uh, it always ends up feeling long even though i love it and i'm always excited to watch it it's more of a nostalgia thing you know uh and another question for you what are you watching what are you reading what are you streaming what are you doing these days well, <laughs> you're going to roll your eyes. Um, I'm reading Infinite Jest. Oh, boy. Well, oh, boy. She's so yeah. she's so smart, ladies and gentlemen. She's so smart. She's reading <laughs> Infinite Jest. I didn't know I was going to be asked this question tonight. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I failed. I failed once at reading it. I got like a third of the way through, but I'm on like page 800. I'm going to make it happen this time. Yeah, you're you're almost there what do you I'm, have 400 left uh it's like 1050 okay so <laughs> um so that's what i'm reading watching i've i've watched uh the first episode first two episodes of the queen's gambit um i'm enjoying that so far and then i also just watch a lot of like trash tv to be honest with you like <laughs> like married at first sight 90 day fiance you yeah. don't want me to promote that here on this podcast no i do because you are my um people should know you're my like main uh tap for that kind of content <laughs> i have I'm the worst reason i know about any of them <laughs> yeah they're a lot of fun different sort of thing you know if you want to throw something on while you fold your laundry or whatever um yep. bachelorette as well you know all of that basic garbage yep gotcha but i balance it with my david foster wallace so i think yeah. it counts i uh I am really glad that I read Infinite Jest. I would I would never have been able to do it if it wasn't for a class, but uh, mm -hmm. I'm glad that I did because it was a great book and I'm really excited to hear what you think of it. 
yeah, I forgot that I can talk to you about that because not a lot of people have and it's a journey and it'll be a big discussion one day. And I am, let's see, I've been watching more Miyazaki movies since the episode Mm -hmm. last week. Um, And so I watched Howl's Moving Castle and I'm going to watch My Neighbor Totoro this weekend. Um, Let's see, I've been rewatching Schitt's Creek actually because my uh my brother and sister-in-law are staying with me and are watching it for the first time and they're like oh do you feel bad that we're watching this I'm like no let's do it let's no any excuse any excuse yeah and your Dan Levy flame is probably reignited now always it's it's uh it's burning high as usual um (laughs) and I've been catching up on the Mandalorian which holy crap it is excellent uh this season has been very good you're not a Star Wars person right I'm really not, but I yeah, hear that's that it's fine. very good. Yeah, it is It is worth watching, trying out, even if you're not a Star Wars person, but it's still dudes in spaceships shooting lasers at each other. So, like, I get it. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Well, uh, Alyssa, thank you so much for being with us this week. Thank you so much for having me. Anytime, you let me know. Yes, uh, I will happily do so, especially as we, uh, I, when we move into January, going to be doing some kind of year-end decade end recaps and I really want to get different people's perspectives and I think you're going to be one of those people Um, well I can't wait I will be refreshing my inbox waiting in fact we've already kind of I should we tease yeah let's go ahead and tease it Um, we've talked about our next episode together is going to be a recap of the masterpiece that is Arrival Um, (gasps) I forgot yes I'm so excited I'll just have to watch it again well, did you forget or uh, are you deliberately not remembering because you're experiencing time as one uh, long thing? I think that's for us to discuss next time. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Um, next week, I'm going to be talking to my brother about our favorite Christmas movies, and we're going to decide once and for all, definitively, if Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Spoiler alert, it isn't. That's a stupid <laughs> argument. Um Thank you so much for joining us on Have You Seen? Uh, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Lee underscore H underscore Henry, and you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Have You Seen Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time.